Well, I want to ask you if you would uh, look in your um, worship folder and grab your sermon outline. It just has some of the scriptures we'll be looking at today. We'll also throw some of these up on the screen in, uh, in just a minute. Um, last Sunday, if you were here, uh, we had Victor Luigi with us. He was a new friend that we just met like a, a week ago, Thursday or Friday. Actually, week ago yesterday, um, met that guy for the first time, and he's an amazing man who's um, doing all kinds of ministry in Northwest Africa. He was actually raised down in Southeast Africa in Zimbabwe. We got to hear his story. Um, he's from what he calls the bush bush, which is a has nothing to do with George Bush. It's like way out in the bush, way out. His dad is actually a village tribal chief. Um, he's raised out in a village in a grass hut in the middle of nowhere. Um, managed to get into a Catholic school, but did not have any Catholic religion growing up or any kind of Christian faith, was pretty much raised around a very animistic uh, kind of worship of animals, worship of snakes, witch doctors, that whole thing is what he was raised around. Until when he was 18, he became a follower of Christ. And God really, through a friend of his from the city, never found out what city, he was called up the city. So I guess they only have one city, you know, there. And I said, but my friend from the city um, led him to the Lord, and he ended up going to the city and, and, and staying with a pastor for two years and being personally discipled by this guy. And that guy says, you know, you have a call on your heart to be a missionary. You need to go off to Bible school. And so he said, well, I don't, you know, I can't afford that. You know, I can't even, you know, I have nothing. <laughs> but um, he said, well, just apply to some universities in the United States and Christian schools. And one of those he applied to was Liberty University up in Lynchburg, Virginia, and they paid for everything, gave him a full ride, everything, and this guy now is back in Africa serving full-time with mercy ships in northwest Africa, particularly in the country of Liberia, so it was really cool because when he shared his story last week and told a little bit about what he was involved in, we just knew without a doubt that that was something uh, that God had arranged for us to have, this partnership with him, this ministry relationship with him was something that we've been praying for as leaders in this church for 15 months. And it was something that when it finally opened up, it was just such a beautiful thing because uh, like one of our leaders said in our leadership team meeting Monday night, we didn't force it, you know. It was just something we prayed for and God opened the door for. Like uh, another one of our leaders said this morning when they were praying with me before service, they said, you know, um, we just have to follow the Spirit's lead in this. And, and the cool thing about what we're doing now is this is something we know without a doubt that God has led us into. And I think the fruit of that relationship is already being seen. Um, last Sunday, if you were here, we told you about some of the needs that they, they have over there for Mama Cooper's Orphanage that we are specifically partnering with. They have no outside sponsorship at all for this uh, dear lady named Mama Cooper who works with these 75 kids that she's taken in who were orphaned by the Civil War that they had there in Liberia. Um, she has all these 75 kids that have all kinds of needs that have to go four hours walk to go to school. It's not in the snow uphill both ways, but four hours to go to school. And so they just don't go to school, if you can imagine. And she has tremendous need for a school, tremendous need for clean water, tremendous need for just some good food like rice. Um, if you can imagine eating rice every meal uh, and being so thankful for that, that's them. Like, man, if we could just have rice every meal, we would be so blessed. And so it, these are some of the needs. And uh, I just want to tell you guys that in that first service, the 9 o'clock service last week, um, the $10,000 for the school was donated. Done. So that's done. So that's good news. You can clap for that. That's good stuff. So, and uh, so that was cool. Uh, we had $6,000 donated for the well. That's done. So they have clean water. So that's good. And we, you know, we, we collected money in both services for the orphanage. And out of just for the orphanage itself, we collected $942 
And they said, uh, he said, you know, part of what he's going to do is buy them about four and a half months worth of rice. <laughs> he's 75 kids because that's what they want. They want. If they don't get rice, they take this other stuff. He said, it's really hard to describe. He said, but it's very nasty and don't dare eat it when you go over. He said, because he said, it'll make you very sick. But they just pile all this stuff into a big bowl. And he told me what all was in it, but I didn't recognize any of it. It wasn't like a... It wasn't like pork jambalaya, okay? But it was, I mean, it was just a bunch of gush-gush stuff that they throw in there and they mix it all up and send the kids just all eat out of that bowl together, you know? And, uh, and he said it's just really, you know, it's all they eat over there. And so for them, rice is a big step up. So that was cool. That was just amazing. And then we also raised, in addition to that, I'll make sure I give you the right number, $709 for Vincent and for his wife and for their ministry needs there with Mercy Ship. So uh, I just want to tell you that, uh, you know, when you look at, Something that came together pretty fast, and to see that kind of blessing on and that kind of money being raised for something, um, it just tells me, you know, God's in it, and it's something definitely that he's led us into, and so uh, that's one reason why we feel called to be a part of something like that, as we have uh, as, as you know, known without a doubt that this is something God's taking us to and that he's providing for and some doors that he's opening. So, um, so one reason why we are doing some of this stuff is we just really feel like this is something God has called us to which is really important. And I, I want to give you a couple of other angles on that and just to think about this morning as, as you think about your involvement in some of this and, and, and this being your church home and being a part of a church that's engaged in some of this stuff. Um, a, a couple of other thoughts just to consider as we kind of dive on into this. And, th- you know, the first question, I guess, is why should you, you care, really? I mean, um, if I were just to go around the room, if we had time, and uh, you probably wouldn't want to talk in front of everybody, but even if you just had time to write it down or just we could have a one-on-one, um, all of you have plenty of problems, don't you? Is there anyone who's just had a completely problem-free week? No financial problems, no relational problems, no work problems, no health problems. Everything's just, woohoo, great. And uh, you might have, and that's good for you if you did. I didn't, but good for you if you did. You know, but um, you, know, you all have problems, and, and how many of you have needs? I mean, some of you have tremendous financial needs yourselves. And you certainly have people in your family. If you, if you don't have financial needs and you're the one in your family who has a little bit of resource, you know, you're constantly getting hit up to put out some money or to put out some time for other people, right? And certainly, you know, people in our community who need help and have needs. And, uh, and we need to care about those and do something about those. But even just for yourself, just for you, if you just want to be purely selfish, you, you can be. You can say, you know what, it's all about me and, and I have so many needs, I don't really have room in my heart to care for anybody else room in my checkbook to care for anybody else or room to make a difference in our town or outside of our town certainly not across the world in africa or some other nation you know we give enough in tax dollars to them or whatever you know so we can justify that so why why should you care i I just want to give you some scriptures to look at and kind of take you on a little journey to try to understand some of that this morning in first john chapter 3 verses 16 19 this is this is what is written here it says this is how we know what love is you want to know what love really is? Phil Collins always wanted to know. I want to know what, I won't sing to you. I want to know what love is. And uh, in Genesis and all that stuff. Okay, um, if you really want to know what love is, this is it. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So he says, if you want to know what love really is, it's laying down your life for someone else. For, for, for me personally, God saying, Terry, it's laying down your life and your lifestyle even, and giving up some of the things that you think you've got to have that are so important, um, it's laying some of that stuff down so you can really care for other people. And not just say, yeah, I care about that, but show you care by giving something of your life, something of yourself to make a difference in that need, like Jesus did for you. God could sit up in heaven 
forever and ever and ever for all eternity and say, they're all going to hell, they're all lost in their sin, and not do anything about it. And say, I love them, and not do anything about it. But he, that's not love. Love does something about it. So Jesus came. Jesus laid down his life, walked among us and all of our junk, and took all that on himself, died for that, so that we could take, have forgiveness for our own sin. So he laid down his life. That's, that's love. That's, that's what love really is. In a marriage, what is love really in a marriage? We, we talk about this with my small group. We're doing this book called The Five Love Languages, which I, I mean, this book that, that's just so awesome, and I highly recommend it to you, The Five Love Languages. And one of the chapters in there, one of the first chapters is about, you know, the, the emotional side of love and that euphoric feeling when you're just obsessed with the other person and you can't stop thinking about them and you're writing their name all the time and, and just, woohoo, I can't stop thinking about them. I just can't wait to see them. And everybody's like, you know, they're an idiot, run. And you're like, oh, no, they're the greatest thing in the world and, or whatever. You know, you know what I'm saying? Love is blind when you're just in that, you know, just in that mode, right, when you're full of all that love. And, you know, they've actually done surveys and found that that euphoria lasts typically, if you, if you do pretty well there, at the most, about two years. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And then that, that euphoria kind of wanes out a little bit. And you've got to figure out what real love is. Well, what is real love? And in my marriage, real love is just laying down my life for Sharon. Just laying down my life for my kids. Just saying, it's not all about me and everything I want to do. And all the stuff I want. And all my hobbies. And I want to hunt. And I want to golf. I want to... I lay down my life. I mean, they, they want me to have a life. They want me to have a life, too. They want me to enjoy stuff. But I, I choose to lay down a, a lot just for them. That's love. And they lay down that love for me and just say, you know what? We're all in this thing together. So Jesus says, real love, real love is when we lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? I mean, if I look around and there are all these tremendous needs out there, and I got all this stuff, and I'm making my list and checking it twice of all the other stuff I want. I mean, I need two deer cameras. I need another feeder. And I need, I mean, yeah, I, those are needs I have. You know, about, I got about $800. I need a better scope. I have about $800 in hunting needs right now that I have right now, okay? And uh, I think, see? You know, I look at all, how can I how can I look at the needs, the real needs around this world and not give a rip? Jesus says, God says, uh, it's downright this. He says, you know, it's not it's it's not love that's in you. You're just you're you're in love with stuff. You're in love with possessions. See, and that's the core battle that's always talked about in Scripture, right? You know, that's why why Jesus says you cannot serve both God and He doesn't say the devil. He doesn't say say you can't serve both God and yourself. He says, you know what, you can't serve both God and money. If money and material stuff is your, that, that, that becomes the God, that's what competes most with the attention of God in our lives. And he says, real love, the real love of God is when you look at your stuff and say, you know what, yeah, God, it's not my stuff. You just made me a steward of it. I get to use it. It's in my hands for now. But God, I really love you. And if I really love you, I really love my brothers, my sisters, who are your children, too. So, God, this stuff that you put in my hands, help me not to hang on to it too tightly, God, but see, how can I use that stuff to make a difference in the lives of other people? That's real love. That's what love really is all about. So, that's one reason why we should care. There's something about um, 
repentance and your ability to walk with God and journey with God and really grow with God and become who God created you to be that's so intricately you know, and, and closely tied into this whole idea of being a servant and being a giver and not being all locked up into this whole idea of, of materialism in our culture. It's just, and it's all through Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, all the way through. In fact, I, I was just reading way back in Isaiah 1. Now, that's Old, Old Testament. Well, that's not Old, old I guess, anyway. That's Old, Old Testament, way back in Isaiah 1. And, and it's amazing because Isaiah is trying to get the people of Israel who are lost in their sin and getting ready to slide off and even into more sin to wake up and understand that, man, they're going to be wiped out. They're going to be whacked because of their sin by all these foreign nations if they don't get right with God. They need to repent and get right with God. In fact, he's writing and, and, and God speaks through him to these people and says, you know, don't even worship me. Don't even sing to me. Don't even bring me your sacrifices because it's just, it's just, you know, it's meaningless. I mean, you guys don't have a clue. You're out there trying to play some little religious game, but your hearts, your hearts are not at all surrendered to me. And, and he's just kind of laying it out there as he does throughout the book of Isaiah and, and kind of put this whole deal out before them about how messed up their walk with God is and how none of it's really honoring or reaching the heart of God. And in the middle of all this, God begins to tell them, you need to repent and come back to me. And I want you to see what he says. This is verse 17. He says, learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. He follows that verse with another verse that you've probably heard many times in your life. He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. There's something about repentance and having our hearts restored and experiencing the transforming power of God in our lives that is closely linked with a heart that is compassionate about what God is compassionate about. The two just go hand in hand. So throughout Scripture, God puts these together. And he's not saying, give to the poor, care for the needy, have compassion to earn grace from God, to earn salvation from God, to earn forgiveness from God. It's not about that, because all that's free. God loves you whether you love him or not. God provides heaven for you as a free gift. Salvation to you through Jesus Christ is a free gift. You can't earn that. You can't do enough to make up for your sin. You know, it's not about earning something from God and working to get something from God. That's, that's not the deal at all. He just says what it is all about is a heart that's soft. It is about a heart that says, soften my heart. A, a life that is fully and totally surrendered to him. And God understands two things. One, that our hearts tend to be just absolutely obsessed with all the junk of this world and all the pursuit of stuff and money and all the stuff. That that competes for his attention more than anything else. He understands that. And he also understands there are tremendous needs. And unless the people who have the blessing of God and have some of this financial stuff in their hands, unless they begin to make a difference, those needs won't be met. And his heart breaks for that. So because of that, God says, for you to really have a strong walk with me, a relationship with me that, that, that prospers and you grow and you thrive and, you, you know, and if you're going to have that, if you want that, if you want to truly be a follower of Christ, a key part of that's having compassion for the oppressed for the needs of this world, for all the injustice of this world, for all the poverty in this world. And not just saying, yeah, I care, but enough that you're moved to do something about it, to actually lay down your life, to lower your lifestyle so that you have something to give 
and to invest and to make a difference in the world. To take a vacation where you could just go out and just have fun for you, which is good. You need to do that every now and then. But to maybe take a vacation where you just go and say, I'm just going to go serve. I'm going to go to one of these orphanages and just serve. I'm just going to go to one of these places and just change bedpans. I'm just going to go and just, just be there with someone, um, you know, and so they're not alone when they're dying of AIDS or whatever. See? It's a, it's a whole change of mindset of saying, God, this isn't about me. It's all, God, about, about you. So he ties all this together, this whole deal of repentance and religion and, and, and walking with God is all tied into our care for the people who are really the, the have-nots of this world. We see it again in Jeremiah 22.3 that says, This is what the Lord says. Do what is right. Rescue the hand of his oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do not wrong or violence, do not do wrong, do no wrong or violence to the alien, the fatherless, or the widow. Do not shed innocent blood in this place. Because he's calling the nation, Jeremiah is calling the nation again back to repentance. He says, this all is tied in with having a heart for those who are the have-nots of the world. So we see that through the Old Testament, and then we see it kind of coming up again all throughout the New Testament and the teachings of Christ as he says so much about the poor. We see it with James, the brother of Christ, as he's writing in James 1, verse 27. He says, religion, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. See, there's something about <laughs> keeping yourself from being polluted, keeping yourself clean, keeping yourself right with God, that's closely connected to a heart for the least of these, a heart for the widows and orphans. It's a, you, know, you, you can't just will yourself to be made right with God and will yourself to make the right decisions and, and be transformed. There's just something about serving and giving and understanding the deeper needs that are out there that softens your heart for the bigger work of God in you to shape you into who he created you to be. So as I think about all this stuff, I'm not just thinking about, yeah, we need to do something for them over there. I mean, yeah, we do. There are deep needs over there, and God cares about them. But, I, I, you know, I, I pastor you guys. I mean, I'm your pastor. I don't get to pastor them. I get to pastor you. And I care deeply about, you know, your spiritual growth and your walk with God. You know, I, I stay up at night sometimes just thinking about that. Man, I'm just, some of them are growing great, but God, I'm not growing at all. What's the deal? Man, just, you know, God, get through to them. Help them to get out of this messed up mindset that we're in in this country and focus on what you're up to and what you're calling them to. One reason why I want us engaged in stuff like this is because I know you'll grow the most. Your heart will be the softest. You'll be the most surrendered. You will follow Christ a lot more closely if you get your eyes off of what this culture says matters so much, which is all the junk, all the material stuff. And on to the deeper needs of this world and how you have been called to be a part of it. That'll open your heart up to grow with God and to let God shape you and do a work in you unlike anything else, you know, unlike any kind of service we can do, anything I can teach, or any kind of worship experience we can have, any kind of small group you can go to. It'll open you up more for that, I believe, than anything else you can be a part of. We see it all through Scripture. We see where this all tied together. So God's called us to care and to have a compassion and to do something about it. And, and the other question I get asked sometimes, recently now, is, um, okay, yeah, we should care, we should have compassion for the needs, but why there? I mean, why, why these other countries? I mean, they're their own countries. 
they have their own government. They have their own leaders or, you know, coup d'etat leaders, whatever. They got their own leadership. They got their own deal. They're their country. We're the United States of America. We're our country. Let them take care of their own. We'll take care of our own. <laughs> and just, I mean, just think about that for a minute. That's like, you know, God looking down and saying, okay, you know, I have all these different children out there, and I care about this one. I don't care about that one. I care about this one. Now, he said, we all, we're all brothers and sisters. Yeah, he sees all the individual nations. He says every day, you know, someday every tongue, every nation will bow before him and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't think God is all about, you know, you know, dividing all the nations. You know, you know, there can't be any nations or any national lines or any of that stuff. That's not what it's about. He's just saying we're all brothers and sisters. And I, I have to have a heart for all my brothers and sisters. And this whole deal of meeting needs and having compassion on people is closely linked, we see in Scripture, to people opening up their hearts to the, sal- the salvation message of God, to the good news of God. I mean, Jesus would go in and he would heal and he would feed and he would care for and he would nurture and he would raise. He, Jesus was constantly meeting physical needs to open the doorway up for the spiritual needs to be met. As he trained up his disciples and sent them out, what did he do? He trained them out to go out and, and bring healing and restoration to people. He didn't just say, go out and preach at them. Don't just go out and build some church and hope they come to your church. He said, no, go to where the people are. Begin to meet those needs. And as they go out and would meet those needs and people see the power of the living God being displayed through them, people's hearts were open then to the good news that, yes, Jesus Christ had come to die for their sins. And they could now have a relationship with the living God. Their hearts were then open to that message. Because I tell you, you go into a village where half the kids are dying and starving to death, and, and you know, and they can't hardly, you know, and, and you're like, I have good news for you. And you want to preach a big, I mean, you know, nah, they're going to say, yeah, you're going to get on a plane and fly back to America. But what about my dying kids? But you come in and, and help bring health care and help bring restoration to that life and hope. And there's a, a real openness then to the gospel. Same thing is true for us, right? I mean, if you're around somebody who says they're a Christian, you know they don't give a rip about you or anybody else, but they're a Christian. Maybe they can preach at you real hard and make you feel real guilty real fast, but there's no love. They're not laying down their life. They're not serving. They're not giving. There's no joy. I mean, there's nothing there that looks like a changed life. They just make you feel bad all the time. I mean, that doesn't attract you to Christ, does it? But you have someone who serves you, cares for you, and loves you, lays down their life for you. That speaks volumes, doesn't it? So we're called to take this gospel message, not just to Moskalas, but to far beyond Moskalas. And part of that is, is intertwined with this whole di- idea of having compassion, extending hands of compassion in Moskalas and beyond Moskalas and certainly across the oceans. I want you to look at Acts 1.8, last scripture we'll look at. Jesus is, is talking to the disciples, and, you know, and what he's saying is you know, now that he's going to heaven that the Holy Spirit's going to come, as we talked about back in the Breeze series. And he says this, when the Holy Spirit comes, this is what's going to happen. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and I think he says that to Moskalas, to the crossroads. He says, hey, you, know, you have my spirit, and you're going to be my witnesses in Moskalas, right here close by, and in the lake area, you'll be my witnesses there, and in Louisiana, Maybe into Texas a little bit. We'll talk about that. Into Texas and, you know, in the United States, but also into the uttermost parts, all the, all the whole world were to be God's witnesses. So God doesn't really give us the option to sit back and say, I want you just to care about Moskalas or just about the lake area. 
or just about the, the hurricane zone. You know, he says, no, 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 you care about that and you make a difference there, but you also make a difference across the country and across the ocean. But we're called to that just as much as we're called to make a difference here. So uh, I, want, I just want you to, to hear my heart on that and know that, yeah, I want us to make a difference over there, but I also want you to invest and make a difference here. In fact, you know, we have out in the foyer out there right now, we have uh, set up our, our Christmas star ministry, which is to help kids. We have 30, what's it, 36, Linda? 36, 37 kids? Where Linda's at? Linda's out there. Here, here. And uh, children whose parents are incarcerated right now who cannot, you know, they have one parent, the primary breadwinner who's incarcerated, and they can't um, buy Christmas gifts for their kids. And so as we do every year, we, we want to sponsor some of those kids and buy them a clothing item and buy them a toy. And, uh, you know, that's, that's right here. That's all out of the Calcasieu Parish Correctional Facility, right right here, you know, people from right here in this area, kids who live right here in this area. So we have a chance to help out, and we care about that, you know. We have people from Friendships who, who come to our church and others who serve here that we, we want to help them. We have the Lighthouse Ministries up the road and Open Door that we want to help out, and a lot of other ministries here like Habitat and others. And we want to make a difference here locally. But we also want to have a heart of compassion that extends far beyond here. Now, the, the deal was like what we did last week um, in raising, you know, um, nearly $18,000 to help out and, and really make a difference in the lives of these 75 kids. Um, we look at that and we're like, man, that's awesome that we can help out 75 kids and Mama Cooper and, and you know, we know that Vincent and Samantha, they're going to have a big impact where they go, so maybe they're going to help out, you know, another few thousand, who knows. But let's say we helped out last week 5,000 total impact or whatever. <laughs> when, you, when you think about that, when you think about 75 orphans, that's, that's what we helped through this orphanage, through the school and through the, through the well. 75 orphans, okay? When you, when you think about that, but, but understand that every day, every day, every single day, on average, there are 6,171 new orphans in AIDS. The vast, vast, vast majority of those are in Africa. Every day, 6,000 new orphans. Every day, I mean, by this time today, you know, another, you know, 2,500 or so new orphans from AIDS in Africa. And we think, it, we look at those numbers and we're like, oh my goodness, compared to 75, it's like, we're not making a difference. I mean, why even try? I mean, the numbers are so staggering. Why even, why even try? We, we can't make a difference. You know, it doesn't make any difference at all. And uh, I tell you, it, it just it reminds me of a story that I heard one time about um, this, this, you know, the waves coming in and the tide coming in. And, and all across this beach were hundreds of starfish. And they weren't dead. They just had been washed in by the tide, and the tide was going back out. So all these starfish are stranded on the beach. And, of course, in the sun, they're going to get baked, and they're going to they're die. And there's this one little boy just walking through there, and as the tide's going back out, he's just grabbing starfish and just chunking them back into the water. And give them another lease on life, you know, you know, make it another day or until the next tide or whatever. And so he's just chunking them back out there. And this old man, I mean, the beach is just covered as far as you can see with starfish. And this old man comes up and he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm just throwing these starfish back out into the water so they can live another day. And he says, you can't make any difference by doing that. He said, I mean, just look at all these starfish. You can't make any difference at all by doing that. And the kid just picks up another starfish and throws it in the water. He said, it made a difference for that one, didn't it? I mean, that's the mindset you have to have. That's the mindset you have to have. That's why on the cover of your worship folder, it just says, reach the world by serving one. 
You just serve one. You just do your part. You just say, God, soften my heart. I surrender to you. I'm not going to force anything. Just as we've done as a church, you're just going to follow the Spirit's lead. But God, you show me the opportunities in my neighborhood where I can make a difference. God, you show me the opportunities in my town where I can make a difference. God, you give me opportunities to make a difference around the country and across the ocean. God, I, I'll make a difference. You lead me into that. God, I believe I'll do it because, yeah, there are thousands and thousands and millions who need help, but I can't help all of them, but I'll do my part. I'll just serve the one, and for that one, it'll make a difference. For those 75 orphans we're helping over there in Monrovia, Liberia, it's going to make a huge difference. And for their kids and their grandkids and the generations to come, it's going to make a huge difference. And hopefully it just spreads from there. I'll be able to say, God, I just, I, I want to do my part. Because, God, I know that's your heart. This is our God. He has a heart, a heart for you. And also has a heart for those who are so broken in this world. So my prayer for us this morning is that we would just say, okay, God, you know, we've talked about this for three weeks, but I want to get it, you know. So, God, soften my heart, change my heart, because I've been so apathetic. Maybe I just haven't cared. Maybe I just never took the time to be aware of the needs that were out there. Maybe I was just so focused on me and my coexistential nature of just saying, God, I just exist for me and for me, for me, for me. That's what our culture tells us. But I never even stopped to look. Maybe it's just the fact I live in the greatest nation on the face of the planet, and I'm so blessed to be an American that, you know, that's kind of made me a little bit arrogant where I just kind of look down at everybody else and say, you know, let them, you know, sink or swim on their own. That's not my deal. That's wrong. That's not a that's not a Christian attitude. That's not that's not the heart of God. That's not the love of God in you. Because if the love of God is in you, then just as Christ laid down his life for you, you will say, God, I'll have pity on them. I will lay down my life for my brothers. And I want you to know all that love that you can. I want you to have all that love that you could possibly have for them. I know that's what will transform your heart. And as you're transformed, God will use you to be a part of his transformation of this town and of this entire world. So we're going to wrap up the series in this morning by just singing, this is our God that just talks about the heart of God. The song's just rooted in scripture that just talks about the heart of God. And uh, I just pray that you would just say, God, okay, if that's your heart, and if this is you, then God, help it to become me. Change me, soften my heart. Show me where in my life and my lifestyle I can change some things. Reorder some things. Let you lead me into some things, God, so that I can begin to make a difference. Not just have a heart that's soft, but have a life that's laid down that begins to make a difference. That's broken for what you're broken for and begins to say, God, I want to be part of your solution for that world. Let's pray together.